News from Leicester. At the end of the year, I asked the church, what encouraged you in 2018? And the first thing they said was apologetics we had. Some of you came for it. And uh, it was quite encouraging that a guy, a conversation on the train, led to him inviting his friend Andy, who has PhD in Islamic studies. And as you know, Leicester has a lot of Islam population. And we were quite encouraged. The other thing they said encouraged them was this young professional student service identity. Okay, which was so encouraging. They did everything. And um, to me, when the youth took on things, it fights me up. Because that's our future. Okay. The next thing that encouraged them was Psalmaton. We went on the streets and read the entire 150 Psalms. Okay. I said to them, 2019 challenge will be the gospel tongue. We'll read the entire gospels, all four gospels on the street. Because you know what? The Bible said, what should we do? Devote yourself to public reading of scriptures. Okay. So it was encouraging, challenging, but we did it. Okay. What else fired them up? The people who became Christians. Okay. And that is you getting baptized there in March. Then Ian Humphreys got baptized in uh, August. And then um, Valentine got baptized in September. Amen. And the Amelius, a couple, got baptized in October. Amen. Okay. And the young lady actually on Friday had a baby girl. Wow. All right. So um, she's um, apparently some women, some women have condition when they, when they are pregnant, they get thinner. <laughs> so you never saw her pregnancy. When, when she got baptized, she was heavily pregnant, apparently, but it was. But that is what inspired the church. And you know what? God did it. We can't say we did it. We can't say we did it. God definitely did it. Okay. And the theme, therefore, for 2019 is deeper, stronger, broader for the Leicester Church, which actually is based on a video clip they did in 2011. I only discovered it in twenty in November, and I thought, man, this is sitting there. This is a Jew. What are we doing choosing other um, themes? This is what we must go for. So it's actually based on their 2020 vision back in 2011. Okay, so that is deeper, stronger, broader. But as I said, now I'm in Birmingham preaching, and we'll talk about build. Okay, yesterday I came to Birmingham. What was meant to be 15 minutes journey took us one and a half hours. <laughs> okay. And that, that's because a guy called James Charles. Have you heard of James Charles? No. no. <laughs> Never heard of him. Till I, 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 I Till I saw the... You were there. Okay, you see it's her fault. 8,000 people were in attendance in the bull ring, whatever that means, because of James Charles. And of course, therefore, the whole of Birmingham came to a shutdown. Okay. Now, some people think James Charles is important. But as per the communion, God thinks we are important. Amen. Individually, collectively, we are important in God's sight. And that was encouraging communion. But we need to build. And we need to build on God. We need to build on God. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder 
the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. You see, one we build without God is useless. God needs to be at the center when we build. In fact, He's doing the building. God is building. And that is important. And if we are going to build, therefore, we need to know the God who builds. We need to know the God who builds. You will know from your background that perhaps you went to church. Perhaps you were religious or not. But sometimes we go in this spiritual journey not really knowing God quite well. I went to church because my grandmother went to church. And then when I went to boys boarding school from the age of 11 to whatever it was, even if you are five minutes late to church, you get six lashes, okay? That was my experience in boys boarding school. So you don't miss church because you get the six lashes. (laughs) Who miss church today? Imagine if you flog them six lashes, all right? But that was my experience. So I had this experience... Swiss Basel Missionary School in Ghana but it didn't draw me close to God I love the singing but I didn't know God that much Jesus was having a conversation with a Samaritan woman John 4 and Jesus said you Samaritan worship what you do not know we worship what we do know and indeed we need to know the God we serve. It is important that we do that because if he's going to build, we need to know who he's building. Jesus prays in John 17. As I said, I'm going to give share scriptures with you. Now this is eternal life. And what is this? That they know you the only true God. Amen. Amen. So this is eternal life. That they should know you the only true God. So, if God is going to build, brothers and sisters, we need to know God. We do need to know God. It takes time, effort, patience, consistency, but we do need to know God. And I think Christians need to make the point of knowing God. Of course, when we say let's know God, it brings loads of questions. And I like the questioner, Job's friends. Zophar asked him Zophar says to Job Can you fathom the mysteries of God? You are a mere man Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above What can you do? They are deeper than the depth below What can you know? He, asked, he says something He said Can you fathom? Can you comprehend? Can you figure out God? Who are you? You are a mere man, a mere woman. Your brains are limited. How can you know God? The mysteries, the obscurity of God. You cannot scrutinize him. He's unknown. He's secret somehow. Your efforts are in vain. How can you know God? So when Jesus said in John 17, they should know you as humans, how can we know God? It's a good question, isn't it? Zophar makes a good point to Job. 
how can you know God? You are here saying God should do everything and you are calling on him. How can you know him? You are man. In one sense, Zophar is right. God is infinite. He's transcendent. He's beyond our comprehension. God will forever be beyond our ability to discover him. But he chooses to reveal himself to us. That is the beauty of God. Human beings will hide from each other, don't we? We all have our secrets that we don't want anybody to know. That's the opposite of God. God reveals himself to us. And so, yes, Zophar is right in questioning his friend Job. But Zophar didn't know God. Because God reveals himself to us. We will never have complete knowledge of God. Nobody here will be able to. But indeed, we are going to have true knowledge of God. However limited it is, it will be true. Because God will reveal that truth to us. And he wants to reveal himself to us. So, human beings will not have excuse to say, we didn't know God. Isaiah 11.9, Habakkuk 2.14, they say the same thing. I'll read the Habakkuk one. It says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. Wow. God says, I'll make myself known to everybody. I will make myself known to everybody. You are going to know me. I reveal myself to you. Yes, you are limited. But you know what? God will reveal himself to us. The Psalms. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sounds is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the hands of the world. Amen. Amen. Creation speaks loudly about God. Amen to that. God reveals himself to us. In Romans, Paul says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. He reveals himself to us. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that People are without excuse. Amen? Amen. People are without excuse. So when the question is asked, what about that young guy in Timbuktu who hasn't heard the gospel? Or in outer Mongolia? That's a human question. God has revealed himself to them. The scriptures doesn't lie. God reveals himself to us through nature. On 1st of January, I was at Brage Park praying. It was quite dark. All of a sudden, the sun shines for just five minutes. Then this deer walk across. And I thought, wow. This is 3 p.m., 4 p.m. In winter, 1st of Jan. You see, that is the beauty of God right there. That is nature in his beauty. On Brage Park. And I thought, wow, God does that. He reveals himself to us through nature. 
I was born in London. I won't say the year. <laughs> but when I was three months old, as I suppose was the case in those generations, I was sent to my grandparents. My mom was a student, probably met my dad in a student cafe or whatever, and Roger came along. <laughs> and they were students and they had to finish their course, so my grandparents took me on at the age of three months. So there was a photograph where a British Overseas Airways Corporation pilot hands me over to my grandparents at Kotuka International Airport in Ghana. Wow. That is my beginnings. My granddad was a timber contractor, and uh, so we lived in the rainforest. And I tell you, the circumference of these timbers could be so huge. It could take days. They didn't have chainsaw machines in those days, and strong men would be sawing these things. And I remember one day being on the field, and this particular tree has been taking days just to bring it down. It won't come down. Then it rained. Then there was lightning. And this light came and split this tree into two. You see, to me, as a boy, watching that, I thought, wow, there is something. I always say probably that was the beginning of faith for me. Amen. I saw something in nature so powerful, I couldn't describe it. But nature is powerful. And God reveals himself through us. Okay. God reveals himself through us. In that same situation, I saw a worm. And I thought, wow, what a big worm. Because I've seen worm going slowly. And I thought, what a big worm. And I went. And I'm trying to catch this worm. And it's going like that towards me. I didn't know it was a snake. I had no concept of a snake. So this worm is going and I'm, and it goes like that. And, and somebody came and pushed me out. I said, why did you do that? They were trying to say, I had no concept of a poisonous snake. I thought it was a worm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And I thought, wow, God protected me. So sometimes God reveals himself in various ways. In your life and in my life. He also said, he set eternity in our hearts. God has revealed himself to you. In your hearts. He has made everything beautiful in his time. And he has also set eternity in your heart. Amen. You cannot quench God. You cannot quench God. He reveals himself to us. And no matter how we try to suppress that, you can go to the disco all night trying to suppress it, which I did as a student. But you finish and you come and say, why did I do that? You know, see, God was speaking to me. Because in my youth, my grandmother had sold a bit of seed of God's word. God, in Hebrews 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And it goes on and on and on. God reveals himself to us. He speaks to us. And of course, if you look at history, God reveals himself through his deeds. 
and events and signs, <coughs> the plagues, the pattern of the seas, the cross, God reveals himself in history somehow. Okay? Sometimes God reveals himself in what they may call theophany. He, he actually visible being. He walked through the garden with Adam and Eve. Okay? He dined and talked with Abraham. Of course, he didn't recognize him. In the form of an angel, in a pillar of fire or in cloud, God reveals himself. He steps into our world as a dove in Matthew 3 when Jesus got baptized. Of course, in the incarnation. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word came to dwell among us. John 1, 1, John 1, 14. God reveals himself. But ultimately, God reveals himself through the spoken word. That is what we've got. That is what we've got. A fourth form of revelation, the most crucial for our knowledge of God, is the word revelation. Amen. Jesus came not so much for revelation but for redemption. But the word we have is how God reveals himself to us. So Christians, I will encourage you to take the Bible seriously. Take the Bible seriously. The amount of books I've read in my academic life is incredible. And then you go through your whole life not having read this. Wow. My O levels, my A levels, all my accountancy exams, my goodness, all the tax rules and European laws and economics, that and whatever. Oh my goodness. The financial reporting standards, it used to be SACPs before that. You memorize all these standards, auditing standards, and you pass your exams. And you don't read this. The most important thing we have. We don't read it. We need to know God. Jesus said, it's eternal life. Amen? Amen. So, there was a time in my life I thought I need to know God. And I went through the whole scriptures wanting to know the attributes of God. It took me over a year. But all I was reading in the Bible wasn't for any doctrine that what does it say about God? What does the scripture say about God? It was rich for me. And I made my notes. And I'll share some with you now. These are some of my notes. Not all of it. But the first thing I realized God is spirit. Amen. His worshippers must worship him in spirit. Remember that? God is the creator. Deuteronomy said, To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Nehemiah said, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens. You give life to everything. That's who God is. He's the creator. God is so sufficient. He doesn't need you, by the way. He was not created. He's immortal. He's indestructible. He's independent. I am who I am, he said. I am God. Even from eternity, I am, according to Isaiah 43. 
God is infinite. Like Job said to his, Zophar says to Job, can you prove the limits of the Almighty? He's beyond our imagination. Okay, he's infinite. He's eternal. He's not limited with regards to time. He lives forever. He's eternal God. Now to him eternal, immortal, invisible. He's eternal. From everlasting to everlasting he is. He's the one who is and who was and who is to come. He's the first, the last, the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. God is eternal. Amen. Amen. We need to know that. He is righteous. He is unchangeable. You are the same and your years will never come to an end. For I the Lord do not change. He says to the prophet Malachi. God is transcendent. He is beyond our comprehension. God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. God is wise. He's good. He's near. He's glorious. He's holy. He's loving. He's jealous. He's merciful. He's patient. He's gracious. And a lot more. Now, when Jesus said, when you pray, say, my our Father who is in heaven, hello be your name. What do you, how do you pray the holiness of God? All these attributes need to be in your prayers. So when we go and pray and say, oh, our Father in heaven, and my daughters pray, the Lord's prayer every day is good for them. When they grow, they will use it as their formula for prayer. I use the Lord's prayer as my template. But when I start, our Father, there's so much that. Hallowed be your name. There's so much that all these things will come under hallowed be your name. Your kingdom. The scriptures actually need to inspire our prayers. The scriptures ought to inspire our prayers. And we need to know God. Now, the danger is we try to suppress that knowledge that God has shown. And my prayer is, parents, sow the basic seed with your children. Do you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to take that seed away. It's the parable of the sower. It fell on the path. And what does that mean? Satan took it away. God reveals himself to us, but Satan doesn't want us to retain that revelation of God. When that happens, we're on dangerous grounds. When we suppress the knowledge of God, we are on dangerous grounds. And how do we suppress it? Some people deny God. False doctrine about God is suppressing the truth about God. Ignorance of God is suppressing the truth about God. Neglect of God is suppressing the truth about God. So when disciples call each other, let's have a good quiet time, read our Bible, it's not about legalism. It's a spiritual battle. Because Satan wants to suppress the knowledge of God. And once you lose that knowledge of God, we are in dangerous grounds. Romans chapter 1 tells us what it will be. It said, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth 
since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. And what happens when that happens? When you suppress that knowledge of God? They exchange the truth of God for a lie. They worship and serve the created things. Then the creator, idolatry comes in. When you suppress the knowledge of God, you worship things that are not God. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your music, your cars, your football team. You understand what I'm saying? You worship things that are not of God. That's what happens when you don't have knowledge of God. Other things become your God. What else do they do? Their thinking becomes futile. Their foolish hearts become hardened. A lot of things going through our mind is a spiritual battle. We don't know God. God gave them over to depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done because they suppress the knowledge of God. That's what happens when we suppress the knowledge of God. It's a huge thing. Let's pray that Satan doesn't take God from us. Let's pray that in our own lives we don't do things that suppress the knowledge of God. Whether by ignoring, neglecting God, ignoring God, it's important that we do not suppress God. He goes on, still in Romans 1 verse 24, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Wow! Why is sex such a big thing in the world? Because the knowledge of God is being suppressed. The knowledge of God is being suppressed. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchange natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men. Why? They suppress the knowledge of God. If we are going to build, we need to build on God. And we cannot build on God without knowledge of God. And we need to go to the scriptures to know God. It's incumbent on every disciple to know God. Amen? Amen. Verse 29, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness. And it goes on evil, greed, depravity. Full of envy. Full of all these things. Okay? Murder, strife. The list goes on. They invent ways of doing evil. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no commitment. No love, no mercy. Why? Because they suppress the knowledge of God. And it's important, therefore, that as Christians... Go to the scriptures to have a good knowledge of God. I get up sometimes and I'm depressed about whatever. If I have knowledge of God, it's straightening my mind. The Bible is my medicine. Seriously. When you get up and you are discouraged and you read, For God so loved the world that He died for me. I thought, Wow, yes, I'm important. I'm not here to harm you but to give you hope. You see what I'm saying? Whatever God does not to harm me, the scriptures ought to remind me of that. So that when I'm in a situation, I don't think God is punishing me. Now, God may discipline me and I'll be right. 
but I need to know God for my daily life and struggles. Amen? Amen. It is important. I don't, again, I'm sure probably you watched Guy Hammond's video and that. When we talk about this romance thing, it can be heavy. And people think we are against gay and all that. You can have same-sex attraction without having to commit the sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm a married man, and I may see another woman. If I lost after her, what does the Bible say? You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to be careful, not condemning people. We are all sinners. And I think Christianity makes these gay issues blown out of proportion. Sin is sin. And we need to be strong on that. Sin is sin, irrespective of sexuality. It's important that we talk about that. But when we do know God, this is what happens. I like this quotation for DJ Moon. He said, all true theology, i.e. knowledge of God, should lead to dexology. It should inspire a new depth of worship, devotion, love, and discipleship. Amen? Because when we do know God, salvation becomes quite straight, isn't it? How from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. When you know God, you head to salvation. Amen? Amen. Our worship, as Jesus said, you Samaritans don't know whom. We know what to worship. God is spirit and true worshippers worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? When we know God, our worship is beautiful. Holiness and purity. Man, when you do know God, your standard of purity is high because you know God hates sin. Have you put a frying pan on fire with nothing in it for a while? Then drop, put a drop of water. What happens to that? Exactly. That's, when sin comes near God, that's what it does. Wow. Think about it for a moment. I'm a sinful man. Imagine if I approach God. Can you imagine that? God hates sin. And we take it for granted. Now, praise God. Jesus steps in between me and God. And absorb that heat. <laughs> we call it the grace of God. Yeah. And we shouldn't take it for granted either. Yeah. Do, not show, do not show contempt for grace according to Romans. Our love, our unity and community. Some people are Christians and they think it's okay to hate another Christian. It's okay not to talk to another sister in the church. It's okay to be divisive. Goodness gracious, you have no concept of God. You have no concept of God because God is love. God is love. And we need to be careful when we think it's okay for me to be angry with that brother or that sister and stay away from them and oh, God hates disunity. Believe me. Jesus died to bring the Jews and the Gentiles together. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when we decide to divide, we have no idea what we are doing. It's so against God. Satan is the one who divides. That's his king. Satan is always there to divide. He wants to divide our relationship with God. He attacks. 
he, he lies to you about God. That's why we need to know God so that Satan doesn't deceive us. He will attack, divide the church. He will divide marriages and families. That is Satan's whole purpose. And the Bible says his time is short. Love, unity and community happens when we do truly know God. The mission for God so loved the world. He's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all people to come to salvation. When we know God, the mission is easy. I personally think when I walk out of my house as a Christian, God wants somebody to be saved. I don't have to do anything. Sometimes they talk to me. <laughs> like that guy who did the apologetics for us. I sat on the train. I opened a book I was about to read. I ha- I've just ripped open my Amazon package. And he mentioned the author. And I looked at him and I said, how do you know that? And he told me his story. The book I was reading was about apologetics for students. I'm not the best with scientific apologetics. As I said, I came to faith by nature. By that thing striking the, the tree. I don't need science to tell me there is God. Now, some people do need that evidence. So I thought, let me read this to help the students who ask me these questions. Then the guy shared his story. He's a lecturer now. But when he was a student studying physics, he lost his faith. And when he became a lecturer, he said he went through things. And uh, oh, this is where my lecturer tricked me and told me I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. So he wrote a book, which you saw there, to help students reading science and the science community telling them they are mad because they follow Christ. That's how the conversation started. And I said, wow, that's amazing. You need to come to Leicester to do something for our students. He said, really? I've never done anything before I think about it. I said, I think you do great. And then he came and it was amazing. So those who came to Leicester, that guy, that was the first time he did a presentation. That was his first time. If you came and saw it, you think you've done it for years. That was his first time. You understand what I'm saying? When we step out, God is leading us to people. The Holy Spirit is working. We just need to know God to understand that. When that person speaks to you by the shop, you think... I went to my GP of late and uh, we were talking. So what do you do? I said, I'm a church minister. Normally, you spend 10 minutes with your GP and they dismiss you. She wanted to know the book I'm reading. She, and I thought, wow. For the first time, I was sitting there and I didn't have my church invitation. It's always in my pocket. Guess what? Yeah. I changed my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have my invitation. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I suppose I should have, when I left, I should have called, God will lead me to somewhere. It was my GP saying, where do you meet for church? I said, in the YMC. Oh, I know they're near the train station. I thought, wow. God has a purpose, doesn't he? God has a purpose. All the time. All the time. Our prayer life, as I said, the richness of the word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our hearts. By making the substance of God's word core of our prayers, we push our prayers higher into the presence of God, while at the same time pressing the contents of scripture deeper into the core of our character. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I like that script, that quote. When we pray, it should not be babbling. As Jesus said, it should be communion with God. Amen.
Mm-hmm. And how can you have communion with somebody unless you know them? Yeah. Yeah. So, brothers and sisters, we are going to build, but we need to build on God. We need to go to the scriptures and build on God, and God will be glorified. Thank you very much. Amen.